And let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When I was about 12 years old, my friend who lived around the corner from me and I were babysitting our younger brothers. Um, We were babysitting them, and we thought it was a great time to have popcorn and a movie night. It would have worked great, except for the fact that when we put the popcorn in the microwave, we added an extra zero to the end of the time. And after a little too long, we began smelling that all-too-familiar scent that many of us have had of burnt popcorn. And the smoke alarm began to go off, and we rushed and sent our brothers out to open windows and doors. We got on a stool and tried to wave at the smoke alarm to get it to stop going off. But all of our efforts were semi-in vain because the smell of that burnt popcorn had entered every nook and cranny and place in the house. That smell was absolutely everywhere. The odor had filled it up. It could not be contained. Today we celebrate Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And despite our best human efforts, the Holy Spirit, that powerful spirit that comes down to us that we celebrate on this Pentecost Sunday, cannot be contained either. Sometimes it seems like this stinks, like that popcorn, because we human beings want so badly to have containment, to have control over everything. We cannot bottle up the Holy Spirit and sprinkle it about selectively wherever we wish it would be. We cannot control it. After all, the Spirit is not ours. It is God's. On the day of Pentecost, the people were gathered together for the Pentecost celebration. For the Jewish people, this day came 50 days after the celebration of Passover. And as they remembered the uh, celebration of Passover, the liberation of the Jewish people from Egypt, 50 days later, they remembered the bringing down of those Ten Commandments of the stone tablets that Moses brought the people down from Mount Sinai, the the bringing and the bequeathing of, of these powerful stone tablets that would be such an important foundation of faith for the people of Israel. As they are gathered together in Jerusalem, remembering the reception and the receiving of those tablets, I imagine the apostles might have been expecting a reception of something else. After all, in the preceding passage, the passage that we read last week, as Jesus is ascended into heaven, he tells the disciples to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. So perhaps they were expecting that in that moment. That as they have received the tablets of faith so many years before, they would receive this new manifestation of faith in the Holy Spirit today. But I doubt very seriously, that they expected what happened, that they expected what they got. In Eugene Peterson's transliteration of this passage in the message, his retelling of the Pentecost narrative says this, 
Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it was coming from. It filled the whole building. Then, like wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. Loud, like wildfire. I imagine how they felt in this moment. Scared, <laughs> awestruck, surprised, amazed. This powerful coming of the Spirit that could not be contained like wildfire. It wasn't a nice and organized worship experience. This wasn't a comforting or calming moment. This was wildfire. This was loud. This was energizing. This was something that they could not imagine or that could not be contained. Through the power of the Spirit, the gospel message was amplified and it spread. And in this moment, as they received the Holy Spirit, the apostles were told that this coming of the Spirit, this reception of the Spirit would be unlike anything that they had witnessed before. You see, as the Holy Spirit descended on people in the stories of ancient Israel, it often descended on those in power, right? The prophets that were selected by God, the kings, the leaders of armies, those are the people to whom the Holy Spirit came and delivered the messages and the visions and the witnesses of God. But here in this place, as Peter offers a word, as he proclaims the words from the prophet Joel, he says that God's spirit will be poured out on all people, on men and women, on slaves and free persons, on the young and the old people of every nation and race. They would be sent visions and dreams, and God would give them the ability to prophesy, to speak truth into the world, to speak God's witness into the world and to be a part of God's kingdom of God coming into the world. This is what Jesus had told them. This was the ushering in of a new era where the poor were given hope, where the oppressed are set free, the broken are healed, where death does not have the final word. I'm sure that those gathered in that moment must have been felt that it was a moment of complete chaos, right? As the spirit descended and you had tongues of fire on people and you heard all of these different languages, as people were able to hear and receive the spirit in their own native language. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute because it would have been easy, just as easy, for God to give people the understanding in that moment of one common language. That God would have allowed them to receive Aramaic or Greek or Hebrew together in that moment. And that all of those people, uh, all of the Jews from the various areas who had gathered in Jerusalem would be able to understand that one language. But instead... The Spirit enables them to hear and receive the Spirit in their own languages. And I imagine that that noise would have just been chaotic. 
And that as, as the apostles were to think about what this spirit was bringing, what the future would look like with this kind of spirit, as they experienced the events that the prophet Joel foretold about, they imagined that it would be utter chaos, at least for our human standards. But the Holy Spirit is in the midst of that chaos. In the midst, as the, sweep, as the Spirit sweeps through people to offer power, to offer new life. I don't believe that the apostles were expecting this at all. <laughs> and if I'm honest, I don't know that we really expect that either. We call out and we sing and we pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our midst. And we want that. As long as the Holy Spirit comes within the hour of our worship services. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to move as long as it is moving within the confines of our church structures and institutions and doctrines. We want to invite the Holy Spirit to move as long as the visions that the Spirit gives us are visions that we can understand and plan out and that fit nicely and neatly in our defined and accomplished and measurable ways. But if we listen to the scriptures, that's not how God's spirit necessarily moves. Jesus says in John that the spirit blows as it wishes. The spirit of God is not a nice, neat, orderly candle lighting, but it is wildfire. God's spirit will move, and it will act as God wishes for it to. God's will will come to pass. But whether or not we are part of it, whether or not we are going to be a part of the work that God's Spirit is doing as it spreads and moves like wildfire and transforms the globe, that, that is up to us. A number of years ago, I found myself awaking in the middle of the night with what I can only describe as a vision from God. It was about two weeks after I had began that current appointment that I was under, um, and I woke in the middle of the night as I was sleeping in a different bedroom because mine was being painted because I was so new uh, to that space. I awoke with this vision for our church, this vision for our community, a vision of our church being a place for children and families to grow, a place where there was a child care center, a place where there were after-school activities for kids, a place where on our land we hosted recreational activities and games where families would come in this area of the state where we had the fastest, one of the fastest growing school districts in the whole state, and a large portion of them came from single-parent households. I envisioned us being this place where community happened, where gathering happened, where people found love and comfort when they felt like they were not loved in society, where people found connection and where people found Christ to give them new life in powerful, powerful ways. I had this vision for what our church could be in that community, what God needed in that community. But 
I had only been at the church for two weeks. <laughs> and this vision that I saw didn't align with the plans that the church had made prior to my getting there. And I didn't feel like I had enough relationships built and I was scared and it was going to cost a lot of money. And so I stayed silent. We didn't move forward with that vision for the church. But God's vision came true. Another church in the area began doing just that. Because this was not my vision. This was God's vision. God's vision that would take place. But because of my fear and my hesitation and our structured plans that seemed so hard to move sometimes, our church did not get to be a part of that great vision for our community. The Holy Spirit was moving, but we didn't follow. The Holy Spirit often makes us uncomfortable. Visions and dreams that don't come from us but come from God can seem scary, can seem too big. They can make us afraid or skeptical because we want to be in control. We don't like change. And when something comes from God that is unexpected, we tend to shy away. But I truly believe that right now, in this time, in this place, in this space, in our world, God's Spirit is doing something amazing. And I hope and I pray that we can discern the will of that Spirit as we move. The past year and a half has brought more turmoil and upheaval than I ever thought was possible in the life of our church, in the life of our world. If you would have asked me before last March, or even in last March, if we would go 12 months without worshiping with people in person, I would have said that that was unimaginable. We have lived through so many things over this past year that are unimaginable. And us as the church, as the people of God, we have been forced to ask questions that I don't believe we ever thought we would be asking. How are we to be community? What does community look like when we cannot gather safely in person? What does the church look like when the doors of the church cannot be fully open to all who wish to enter in physically? What does it mean to be by people's sides and to offer care and comfort when we cannot visit them in the hospital? What does it mean to walk with somebody through grief when we cannot hold their hands safely? What does it mean to have communion when we cannot gather physically around the table? What does it mean to be the people of God in these new and difficult and different times? We have been asking these questions, these difficult questions, these surprising questions, these hard questions amidst deep stress and grief as well. I imagine that for years <laughs> that psychologists will be studying the collective trauma and grief and, and mental health challenges that have come out of this past year and a half. And at the same time, in this past year and a half, the Holy Spirit has been moving. 
People are seeking answers for faith questions that they've not been asking before. People are seeking God who have not sought God in a long time. People are getting online and Googling for online worship services when they may have never stepped foot inside the door of a church before. The Holy Spirit has been working across television broadcasts and social media and telephone lines. It has been working in hearts and minds and souls, bringing hope and comfort into those places of deep and dark despair. And the Holy Spirit has been in the discomfort as we, the people of God, discern how we are to be the church, how we are to be the people of God in this new era. A new era that I believe will be amazing (laughs) if we can latch on to where the Holy Spirit might be leading us in new and different ways. Here at Pulaski Heights over the past year and a half, we have been worshiping online and now we are moving into this new hybrid model of worship. We have been welcoming in people to our congregations who haven't even stepped foot inside the doors of this church but feel connected to the ministries of Pulaski Heights. Sunday school classes have met over Zoom and now are discerning what it might mean to meet uh, in person and continue to welcome in people in online ways. We have been uh, busy launching our podcast stream to try and reach new people, a new audience with the love of Jesus Christ. We're continually having to reimagine what our food bank and our diaper bank look like as more and more people are in need of those services. We're having a hybrid vacation Bible school this summer where children can come in person and where they can go and experience the love of Jesus and the powerful stories of vacation Bible schools in their homes as Jesus comes to them. We are welcoming 30 new full members of the church today in confirmation. Young people who will see visions, will dream dreams, will bring us new life and new ideas for how we are to be the church in this new era. The Spirit is doing amazing things. And I hope and I pray that we as a church at Pulaski Heights can be open to what the Spirit is doing and to be a part of it. A few years ago, I listened to a podcast interview with a woman named Kristen Snell. She had begun this project that she felt was a calling in her life from God called the Turquoise Table Project. Uh, She was looking for a way and discerning a way that she could meet neighbors in her community. People who might not have a connection to Christ, people who might not have a connection to each other. And so she went to Home Depot and bought a large turquoise picnic table and put it down in her front yard. And mind you, this is the times before COVID, but she began inviting people from the neighborhood over to share in a time of food and fellowship, a time of conversation around that turquoise table in her front yard. 
She said as people begin to gather, as people begin to find community, they also begin to find opportunities for deeper conversations, for faith conversations. People began to be connected to Jesus through these meals because as people shared their hearts with one another, they naturally shared the one that gave them hope uh, in those times when they experienced struggle. This turquoise table movement, people began to kind of hear about this and it took off. More and more people began buying turquoise tables, placing them in their front yards for fellowship and community and faith talks all over the country. It spread like wildfire. But when Christian Snell first had this vision that God had given her, she went to her pastor and she told him about it. And he said, I want so badly to take this over and make it a planned ministry of our church. But I'm afraid that if I do, we might kill it. And so instead, he gave Kristen his blessing. He gave her a prayer team at the church that would be praying over her as she did this ministry for her community, for her world. And he blessed it. And she went forth and this spread like wildfire. It's so sad that the pastor thought that if the church had taken this over, that it might have killed this vision. But unfortunately, oftentimes that is true. That the church, like I was those years ago, the church can be hesitant and slow to move, can be fearful about what things might entail, can be slow to follow the, few, the Spirit's movements if those movements seem chaotic or challenging or uncontrollable or different. If they make us uncomfortable or they bring about change. But if the church can get on board, if the church, if we as Christians can open ourselves to what the Spirit might be doing, to where the Spirit might be leading, if we, like those first apostles, can heed the, the, the call of that Spirit and can listen to the visions and the dreams of men and women, young and old, if we can see what the people of God can do to help bring about the kingdom of God, we will be part of the transformation of the world that the Spirit is coming to bring about. And I believe that if we can latch on to the good news of Jesus Christ through the power of that spirit, if we can latch on to the visions and the dreams that God has for us and our community and our world, then that spirit will spread like wildfire. And we can be a part of the coming of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.